Welcome to the home stretch at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes with you live in studio from now until 8. A little abbreviated show, but it will be jammed packed. We will have Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry joining us at 7.30. But with a shorter show, let's get right into it with Matt Derrick. Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest. Matt, how are you? I am doing well. Sterling, how are you doing tonight? Man, I'm golden. Like, how can I complain? It's 60 degrees outside, and the Chiefs are in this Super Bowl yet again. Life is good, my friend. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, well, we'll take it. Hey, it doesn't and, suck. It does not <laughs> suck, and, and, and an abbreviated show just means it's all the more powerful. See, that's quite frankly what it is. I mean, seriously, this is going to be the most powerful show we've ever done. Like a power ballad, okay? This is like Cinderella coming at you. <laughs> Well, I don't think this show could handle Cinderella coming at you. No, I don't think so either. All right, I want to start with some of the um, things that I'm, quite frankly, most interested about, and you always seemingly have a pulse on what's going on, and that is the injury report. I saw that you tweeted out. Uh, again, if you don't follow Matt Derrick and you are a Chiefs fan, what are you doing? It's at Matt Derrick. It's the estimated injury report today since the Chiefs did not practice. Uh, a surprising one was Chris Jones projected as a non-participant with a quad. Is there anything here, or is this more or less just a nothing burger? Um, probably more of a nothing burger than anything else. I mean, we did see that Chris was limping a little bit at points in the game on Sunday, but it obviously didn't keep him out. It didn't really look like it limited him in any way. He was still strong at the end of the game. Um, this is a, I mean, this is obviously, it's an estimated report, so it didn't actually do anything at all. Um, so it doesn't really mean too much. Uh, I would say let's see what happens the next couple of days. But even then, I mean, it's not going to really matter uh, a big deal because I think that the Chiefs might be fine with just sitting Chris and sitting anybody this week, like Isaiah Pacheco, um, that has even the remotest of things. Just give us some rest this week. I mean, this week is about game planning more than anything else. Um, I don't think it's a big deal. We'll, it'll, it'll get real next week, but – I haven't heard any indication that the injury with Chris is something that's serious or significant. Uh, obviously, with Charles and Minahu, this is serious. This is significant. He will not be playing in the Super Bowl. How do the Chiefs try and fill his role? Obviously, when you saw him go down, you saw an increase for Mike Dana, as well as a little bit of a surprise, Turk Wharton. His snap count went pretty high in that game. How do you think the Chiefs try and... Uh, make up for the loss of Charles and Minahu, a guy who was really coming on the second half of the season and especially into the playoffs. Yeah, and, and notable probably that you point to uh, Tershawn Wharton because, you know, when you think of Charles and Minahu, you're thinking of an edge rusher, but the Chiefs will use him in any spot, and especially on third down. They'll kick him inside and be one of the guys that goes inside so they can really sometimes get four at pass rushers on the field at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, I, they've always kind of viewed Tershawn as a, as a good quality inside pass rusher. So, yeah, I mean, I could see him getting some more snaps, especially in some of those third down packages. Um, you know, very likely I would imagine that Felix Anadike Uzama would be active this week to give them additional depth. But this is the Super Bowl. I mean, it's all hands on deck. So, more than likely, I think that the, the snaps Charles and Minnehu would get are going to mostly go to guys who already are getting snaps because if you're George Karloftis, you're Mike Dana, you know, you're Chris Jones, you're not leaving anything on the field. So, you know, they'll play those guys as much as they need to. Um, nobody's going to come out unless they really need a rest. <laughs> so, I, 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 I mean, I think the Chiefs are in a great position because, you know, they haven't had a lot of injuries. 
at defensive end this year. They played without Charles for six games, so and, and that was when it, Felix Felix played his most. So I I don't get any sense that the Chiefs would be afraid to put him out there in a big situation, especially if it's a third down and his his job is just to go after the quarterback. Uh, obviously, a big name around Chiefs Kingdom that fans, at least that I've seen on the X, want to see is uh, Frank Clark the Shark, which I have to give uh, a big old uh, Frank no to. Uh, where do you land in regards to the Chiefs or even the possibility of Frank Clark coming back just for one game? I mean, I think it would have to be the right set of circumstances, and I think it would have to be up to Frank to accept the, the right role. Uh, hey, even if, you know, you say put Charles and Minahue on injured reserve and you open up a roster spot, uh, I would have a hard time if I'm Andy Reid or Brett Veach looking the, the guys on that practice squad in the eyes and saying, hey, you know, we're going to bring in Frank. He hasn't been here all season. <laughs> He's been released from a couple teams spot. this year. <laughs> yeah. So I think on one level, that, but, I mean, that's at a level two is that, and as much as I like Frank and I think he's a, I think he is a good influence in the locker room. I think he was always liked by this team. I think the Chiefs love him. But I, I think that part of, you know, letting Frank go was a part of also feeling like didn't have a whole lot left in the tank. And I think that other NFL teams are kind of telling us that, too. Uh, one name that I didn't bring up earlier on was uh, Malik Herring. Malik Herring had gotten a decent amount of run towards the end of the season. You didn't really see him get on the field a ton. It felt like when Charles went down, Malik only playing 14 snaps defensively. Now I get the Chiefs were only uh, on the field defensively for 58 snaps, but I was a little surprised not to see a, a larger uptick for Malik Herring, who I quite frankly thought was playing some decent ball. Yeah, you know, especially because, again, I mean, he is a bigger body, so they are comfortable kicking him inside as well. So if, you know, they needed some flexibility, somebody who can play tackle and, you know, line up on the interior, Malik would be one of those guys as well. Um, I think it could still be part of it. It might have been game plan specific against the, the Ravens about maybe why they went with Tershawn and maybe not Malik in some of those situations. Um, you know, hey, they were, even as much as they wanted to put that game in the hands of Lamar Jackson, they also wanted to defend against the run. So, you know, in that situation, you know, hey, would Tershawn be more of your run stopper interior guy? Yeah, because, you know, Malik is an interior player, is more of a pass rusher only. So, um, I think that probably makes a little bit of sense. I mean, there may be some other reasons and maybe schematically, they just felt like Tershawn was a better fit in that spot. But I can't rule out you know, Malik getting some increase in reps, too, because he's obviously a guy that um, they trust in multiple positions. Matt Derrick, our guest right here on the home stretch, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I think one of the more alarming ones for Chiefs fans has been Joe Tooney. Um, you know, obviously, there's some rumblings back and forth of is he, is he not? I know um, some sources I have basically say no, he's he will not be playing in the Super Bowl. It's uh, it's not ideal. Um, don't know your thoughts on Joe Tooney and what you've been hearing as far as is he or is he not going to be able to give it a go come Super Bowl time? Yeah, it certainly seems very remote. I mean, we'll we'll see. I'm sure that. The Chiefs don't want to close the door on it exactly. Uh, they want to give him every chance to play if he can. So I, I, I don't think that – and maybe, hey, maybe they will. We'll, we'll, they'll give us a estimated injury report on Friday that would have, have game day designation. And so maybe we'll find out this week you know, what Joe's status would be. But I think they're going to give him every opportunity to play. I just think it's going to be hard given the, the nature of that injury. 
Um, it doesn't sound like it's anything that would threaten him for next year. But those pectoral injuries for linemen, I mean, it basically takes away your arm. Yeah. And even an all-pro, one-armed all-pro, that's a tough thing to do. I mean, he did it one time with one arm, with a broken hand. That guy's yeah. just, he's, he's absurd. There, anyone that could somehow do it, it would be Joe Tooney. In regards to the offensive line in totality, if he's not able to go, and it is Nick Allegretti, how do you think they handle what is the best part of the 49ers' defense, I would have to say? I mean, maybe you say they're a linebacker with Dre Greenlaw and uh, Fred Warner, but, I mean, they, they're deep. They're, they're multiple deep on the defensive line. It's not like the Eagles last year, but it's pretty darn close close. Obviously, Boza is the name to watch, but let's be real. Andy Reid schemed him out of the equation last time they played. You saw how angry Boza was that he was not able to get his hands on literally anyone the entire game, but they added Javon Hargrave. Uh, they added Chase Young. What do you make of the offensive line of Kansas City going up in this matchup? Yeah, that's the question. I mean, I think there's no doubt you're probably saying to yourself, Nick Bosa, they're going to just, they're going to double team, and that's going to lead to a lot of, you know, one on one situations elsewhere. So, you know, that to me is, you know, picture poison. I mean, I think that if the Chiefs are going to double team Bosa, doesn't probably matter that much, you know, uh, you know, losing Tooney because you're probably going to be having the guard on either side, whether it's Trey or whether, whether it's Nick, um, helping out the tackle on that side. So, you know, I, it, it may not matter a whole lot in a game plan like this where, you know, you do have one elite pass rusher that you're going to circle and say, we're just going to take this guy out of the equation, and the other guys are going to have to win one-on-one matchups. Um, as a result, you know, Nick may not end up with a lot of one-on-ones. I mean, he'll have Creed on his inside, too, to help him out. So, you know, I, I, I mean, hey, there are going to be some plays, but I think the Chiefs will try to scheme it up as best they can protection-wise. So that Nick's got help. You know, he won't be alone on an island. Um, he will be probably the one helping out somebody else in protection rather than just leaving it on him. So, and they did a pretty good job against the, against the, the, the Ravens because, you know, there weren't that many opportunities that, you know, that was just, just Allegretti by himself one on one. And I think he had, to me, I thought only had maybe had one bad snap. And that's a pretty good game. So I think you take that again in the Super Bowl for sure. Yeah, I think you 100% take that again in the Super Bowl. But speaking of bad snaps, Creed Humphrey, um, what's going on here? It's been a couple weeks now. You know, again, luckily Patrick Mahomes is uh, Gold Glover back there. Obviously the baseball acumen helping him out here with those uh, those short hops. But it's not ideal. What do you think? Is it physical? Is it a little mental? Is the ball slippery? Um what what has been with these uh, a handful of, of poor snaps? It reminds me of being a Mizzou fan. Why why are the teams I root for? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a mental thing. I really don't think it's that. I mean, part of it is that hey, the one criticism that that some have of of Creed is that his snapping is maybe the the weakest part of his game, and you know, maybe part of that's because he hey, he is a left hander, and it's not that. I mean, but because it's also that he probably hasn't snapped as much to me. I don't think it was his left hand as most centers have, you know, with their dominant hand, because there were some coaches that he's had before that made him snap right-handed. So I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of mental, but usually when a, when a center is having that kind of problem, it's because they're coming up too early, you know, or they're looking out too much. So is that a situation where, you know, this is happening in games where maybe Creed's got a really tough assignment and he knows that he needs to have a quick start 
and that he's got one eye on the defensive tackle that he's facing, or he's got an eye on the Mike linebacker, and he's trying to get ready for the blitz. Uh, that I think is a lot more likely scenario for the for the low snaps than anything else. So uh, you know, hey, we'll see. I, I know he will. I'm sure he will absolutely be more focused on it in the Super Bowl. Make sure those snaps are on on time and on schedule in the right place. But I don't think it's anything that you, you got to be like worried about long term because I mean I think Creed's is too good. He's, yeah, he can clean that kind of thing up. Yeah, a, a man of reason. That is Matt Derrick, again, our guest right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Uh, probably the most influential potential miss. Obviously, we know Charles isn't going to play, but Willie Gay Jr. sounded like he was legitimately questionable before the Ravens game. Obviously, tried giving it a go, couldn't give it a go. He was out. The odds looking pretty good, do you think, for him to play in the Super Bowl? Well, time is the most important thing for that. And, you know, and they have, the Chiefs list them is limited. So, you know, it's an indication today that had they practiced, he would have been able to go in some form. Um, that's a good sign. And he was close on Sunday. It was just a matter of, again, you know, waking up with that next spasming. Um, do we know how it happened, Matt? Do we, do we know how the spasm really started? No. We really don't, because remember, he popped up on a Saturday on the injury report, which would typically mean that, you know, hey, it was something that happened either maybe late in practice on Friday and didn't get, you know, maybe he didn't go to the trainer until after the injury report came out. Or, you know, the other thing that often happens with a neck injury is that, you know, that a guy has neck spasms, he just wakes up with it, you know, in the morning after maybe an injury or an issue. And that's when it pops up. And that that would be my guess, and I hate to speculate, but that would be, be the most likely scenario based on what we kind of know of the evidence. But the nature of it and how it happened, we don't know for sure. Um, what we know is that it's it's been something that's just been kind of off and on. It looks like it's getting close. And, hey, if you've ever had a, a neck strain or a spasm or anything like that, I mean, you know that they can be random. I mean, they can pop these. They can seem like they're fine, and then they come back again. Football players are no different. So I, they, they need time. And the great thing is, is he's got two weeks to let that thing settle down and rest. And, uh, I mean, again, I you know the Chiefs seem optimistic that he's got a reasonable chance to play. Yeah, I, I will say like twice a year I sleep on my neck wrong. And it's always before like a big event. It's like you're so nervous to, that you're like don't want to sleep on your neck wrong that of course you do. Like I don't know if that's how you operate, Matt, but like twice a year, I don't even know what it'll be before. I'm sure it'll be before I go to the Super Bowl or something like that, where I'm just like, all right, Sterling, sleep on your neck correct. Only use one pillow. Don't get it right. I'm I'm overthinking how to sleep, and then what happens? It gets me. I get the yips. I get the sleeping yips. <laughs> I'm nervous all the time, Sterling. So I guess I I, I, I sleep bad and wake up with my sore neck every morning. <laughs> oh, you're just a psycho who can play through it. Wow, tough man. The Joe Tooney of sleeping, Matt Derrick. Um, Sky Moore, obviously, he's been on the IR. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the final week, the last seven days, or does it stop with the Super Bowl? Like you know how you have the 21 day window. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie to you and pretend like I know how that works with the Super Bowl or not. Um, I guess my main question is: Do you think Sky gets activated, uh, or is probably his season done? I, I wouldn't expect him to play a, a large role at all, obviously. But uh, I didn't know if the activation was a legit possibility. Yeah, my my understanding was that today was the final day. So unless there's a you know an issue or there's an extension in the postseason that I'm not aware of. I think the Chiefs had to make a decision today on him. Um, we'll get some clarity on that tomorrow for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, especially once the, he kind of, you know, tweaked that knee again, I mean, it seemed to really set him back. And, 
um, that did show, you know, that, hey, they, they would, he would have practiced in some form today, I believe. Um, maybe they just, you know, test it out. And he could very well have been in the facility, even though the teams, you know, had a day off today. Uh, sometimes injured players would certainly be coming in and getting treatment on a day like this. Mm-hmm. So we don't know. But I, I, I think that it would be, to me, very remote that we would see Sky coming back for the Super Bowl. Uh, final injury-related question here for you. Kadarius Tony was listed as an uh, IR, not injured, and then out personal, uh, but listed as a full participant. Um, what do you make of this whole situation? Is, is this going to be a Marshawn Lynch situation where like he has to go to the Super Bowl because he's on the team and he has to sit there and say, I'm here so I don't get fined? Uh, I can't imagine him being that uh, nonchalant about it. W- w- what do you make of this entire ordeal? Yeah, it, it, it's super weird, Sterling. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, but then most things with Kadarius Tony are strange and weird. <laughs> <laughs> It goes back to his days in New York, and there's, there's a, this is the reason why he's no longer a giant. It, it was yeah. just not just you know being inconsistent on the field and inconsistent availability, but you know inconsistent in the locker room as well. It's just you know as far as being a, a, a person that you can count on and and towing the company line. And um, yeah, I mean put the put the team obviously in a really you know peculiar predicament. I mean, and they almost have to take him off the injury report. If, allegedly publicly saying that he's healthy and we have to kind of use allegedly there because you know there have been times that Kadarius has had things posted on his social media accounts that he then you know asserts was not him so I I just don't see I don't see how that the you know he can go to Vegas next week without addressing this first because um you know hey Super Bowl opening night Everybody has to be available, and so unless yep. they, unless he's hiding in a bathroom somewhere, there's going to be a, a long line of people <laughs> circling around him wanting to talk to him. And everybody from New York media is going to be there wanting oh, to talk yeah. to him. So uh, I, I feel like if if he's getting on that plane Sunday, he needs he needs to talk in the next couple of days and, and, and put this behind him. Well, I will tell you this: I, I will be there, and if I if he is trying to hide, I my name is so close to Sherlock Holmes, Matt. You know, I'll let you be my Watson, and we can try and track him down. See if we can sniff him out, and you know, hey, they, they, they are doing an opening night this year in Allegiant Stadium, so there's plenty of places to hide in there. <laughs> All right, now let's talk about the game itself. Um, because I, I think the Niners showed me a lot here. Again, Matt Derrick is our guest from Chiefs Digest. Um, because the, the Niners are were a team all season long. I said, if they get down, I don't think they can come back. And they've done it back-to-back weeks. Now, they got some help. They probably won't have Legereus Sneed get a ball thrown off of his dome into the arms of Brandon Ayuk, right? I don't think, knock on wood, Pacheco's going to take the first handoff of a drive and all of a sudden put it on the ground. Like, there were some fortuitous bounces that obviously went the 49ers' way, but I think in every single game, there will be a couple of bounces that sometimes you may not get. Luck is always involved at times when you make it to the Super Bowl. So what do you make of the Niners and their ability to, even with a quarterback who might not be the focal point has obviously played some very good football for the most part this season did you learn anything or gain anything or am i looking too much into those uh come from behind playoff games no i mean hey you know sometimes those things are our circumstances and i think that obviously you know the reason why people would say that hey this isn't a good come from behind team is obviously they had a pretty good streak of 
not coming from behind. Now, of course, you know, hey, they also haven't been in those situations a ton of times either. But, you know, I, I think of a situation like last year with Jacksonville. Jacksonville had the huge comeback against the Chargers in the, in the postseason, and that char- that Jacksonville team was the same way. I mean, I, I don't think they're a very good comeback team, but if you get the right situation and circumstances where a team opens the door, the 49ers can blast it open. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going to get the 49ers down 24-7, to I think it's more difficult for them to come back than, say, the Chiefs and some other teams. But they can do it if you give them short fields, if you give them turnovers, if you give them, you know, positive situations, if they get a good break going their way. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're not a terrible team, so sure, in the right circumstances, they can Trevor Lawrence and go downfield. I just don't think it's, it's highly likely. What I find interesting with Kansas City and what they've done during this recent run of offensive success is they've really focused only on Pacheco, Kelsey, and Rice. Uh, this past game, obviously, Pacheco, 24 carries. Travis Kelsey, 11 receptions on 11 targets. Rasheed Rice, 8 receptions on 9 targets. That's 19 of 20 for Travis and Rasheed. But I'm sitting here. I went into this game against the Ravens going, you can do this against the Dolphins and the Bills. You can focus on those two guys because those two teams don't have the horses to take them both away. I'm sitting here going, you know what, though? With a team like the Ravens, they are so deep at so many levels. They don't have a weak point. I don't know if, if you can count on those two guys. You might have to have a tertiary guy get involved. Now, I get what you might say is MVS had that big catch to end the game. Yes, but I'm saying more consistently in the game. But the Chiefs showed they did not have to do that. Do you think it's the same game plan against San Fran? Saying, you know what? That that's fine. We'll have two targets for MVS, two for Watson, a couple for Noah Gray, and that's it. The rest is going to go to Kelsey and Rice. Or do you do think that they're going to have to get someone else more involved, uh, more than just two catches for 38 yards as a tertiary guy in this game? I think they can get away with having just someone come up with the right play at the right time. Uh, I've been calling, you know, the this group, the, the triplets, because it reminds me a lot of uh, the, the Cowboys offense of the 90s. And, you know, Troy Aikman had the triplets. And, you know, I needed three players on offense to move the football and get things done. And, uh, you know, I mean, no, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't want to go all Josh Briscoe here and get in trouble with Josh that I'm comparing Mahomes to Troy Aikman. I'll text uh, him. I'll, I, I've already let him know. Definitely not what we're saying. But... <laughs> But, you know, you can win. I mean, with three prime, you know, a, 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 a great receiver, a great tight end, and a, and a good running back, great running back, yeah, you can do that. So I don't have a worry, but it's just that it, what it's going to come down to is exactly what it's come down to the last couple of weeks. At certain moments, you're going to need somebody else to step up. And, and Marquez has done that. I mean, he's made three big plays in the last two weeks. As long as they can get somebody to make plays like that on occasion – I think they can get away with feeding those three. Matt Derrick is our guest. Now, defensively for Kansas City, the big issue for me is how do they stop and slow down Christian McCaffrey as well as Debo Samuel, especially from the backfield? Like, as good as Brandon Ayuk is, we've seen Legereus, Trent McDuffie, and the rest of the secondary lock down wide receiver ones. I do think Brandon Ayuk is a legit wide receiver one. But Debo Samuel is so hard to bring down. He is so thick in his legs, right? It's almost like Saquon quads, right? The first guy seemingly just bounced is off of him. That makes me nervous, especially when those two guys are lined up in the backfield together. You know, as much as um, 
you want to talk about Miami's running attack and they're very horizontal and very similar from San Fran to Miami and the Chiefs locked them up. While I would agree, the Niners have a little more of a wrinkle with obviously Christian McCaffrey having the ability to go north-south, which has traditionally given the Chiefs a little bit of issue uh, against more of these physical north-south runners. What do you make of the Chiefs' game plan? What do you think they'll try to do against Debo and CMC? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, with with Debo, I think you got to be worried about him. But at the same time, I, I think the Chiefs can handle that because they've got speed in the secondary. They're used to it. I mean, you look at what they did with the Dolphins. That's a great example. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that they can handle that. Um, Debo is a great player, but I can't call him a unicorn. Christian McCaffrey is a unicorn. I mean, he can just do so many different things, and his speed and size is ridiculous, too. And that's the one area of the field that the Chiefs have been susceptible to at times. It's been on the ground game. So, to me, I mean, yes, that's the player that they do have to stop. And that's not saying that you can't be cognizant of of Debo, that you have to be worried about him, too. But, you know, at least the one thing that the Chiefs have going in their favor is that the 49ers are are worried about Debo as well, because (laughs) how healthy is he going to be? I mean. You know, that's always a, that's a kind of been a continual question, especially this season. So, you know, if you're the Chiefs, you at least have a little bit of wiggle room that, you know, maybe he won't be 100%. And if that's the case, anything that he's not is is good for you. But, yeah, I mean, McCaffrey's the one that really worries me because that's the guy that, if hey, if you told me that he goes for 200 yards and four touchdowns, I'd say, yeah, he's Christian McCaffrey. Of course he did. <laughs> I would say, what happened? What happened? Is this Mizzou against Indiana? What is going on? <laughs> I would have those questions, absolutely. But yeah. and I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I think the Chiefs defense is going to do better than that. But McCaffrey's <laughs> just one of those dudes, man. <laughs> i I got to bring something up that just I, I think us Mizzou fans alum will, will appreciate. Uh, Steve Wilkes, defensive coordinator for San Fran. Yep. He was atrocious at Mizzou. If he has a good game plan against Kansas City, I will be doubly upset. Like, I'm going to sit here and go, how the heck could you not do this in, in college? And then all of a sudden you get back to the NFL and you found something. I, I would be irate. I'd be livid, Matt. I, it would irk me. It would have my ire. Um, but in totality here, when in regards to Steve Wilkes and the, and the San Fran defense, I don't know if they've been as good as the um, maybe national media thinks they've been. I don't think they've been as good as a lot of the names they have on their defense. To me, it reminds me a little bit of the Eagles this season, right? Where last year the Eagles had the great big names as well as as well as uh, the success. This year the Eagles had great big names, but the defense really wasn't that great. But they got by a little bit based on um, name recognition. The Niners, I don't think their defense is outstanding, but they do have the dogs. What do you make of them defensively? Yeah, I mean, it is a, it's a legitimate question. I mean, you know, because they, I mean, their numbers, if you look at it just overall, I mean, you're going to say, hey, wait a minute, it's the third best scoring defense in the league. Um, some of their metrics across the board aren't as good as the Chiefs and the Ravens, and so they've got some areas that of weakness where I think that they can be had, and they've had some inconsistent pockets. They obviously had a, you know, a couple of games, you know, kind of mid-season that they, they didn't play really well as a unit. Um, but, you know, they've got a really tough linebacker core. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a, a bunch of really good secondary guys. Um, you know, that's one thing that, hey, I'll give Steve Wilkes because and that's why I, 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 I guess I liked him as a Mizzou coordinator better than some did because I thought at least they were better at the end of the season than they were at the beginning. 
And I tell you what, I think that the, Mizzou ended up with some good secondary guys that really benefited from you know learning under him for a year. Sure. And and certainly, I mean, he's helped Chavez Ward continue to go to the next level. So there's a lot of good stuff going on there. But you know. Uh, one thing I, I feel like with, you know, the, looking into the numbers and everything that, you know, San Francisco with their pressure, yeah, they've got Bosa, yeah, they got Hardgrave, you know, they've went out and they've got some, you know, to try and supplement that pass rush, but that's not as fierce a force in the front as I think they had in 2019. Yeah. I think that front four was better, especially on the interior. And hey, they do get a lot of sacks, but they do it kind of the same way that the Chiefs do. I mean, they, but except that, uh, to me, I see a team that generates a lot of pressures with the blitz, and that can be a problem. That can be the issue. I mean, the Chiefs don't have to blitz to get pressure. They can get pressure with four. They blitz to get the quarterback down and create negative plays and turnovers and that kind of thing. I feel like the 49ers at times have to rely on the blitz just to get pressure, and that can be a problem. I mean, if you neutralize you know, Bosa and now you know they're having the blitz to bring pressure – one, I don't think you can get away with blitzing Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, how are how are they going to get pressure? I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to to me it's it's going to be on both ends. You can neutralize him, then somebody else is going to have to be a good game. Is it going to be like a thirty year old Jason Hargrave? Is it going to be you know Chase Young who sometimes shows up and sometimes doesn't? I don't know. Mm. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Matt Derrick as well as check out ChiefsDigest.com. Matt, always, always, always a pleasure. It is absolutely the same, Sterling. You are always the best. <laughs> we'll take a break. You don't have to lie to me, Matt. Come on. I'll, I'll, I'll accept top five. I'll, Nothing but truth here. I will accept top five. We'll take a break. Come back. We'll be joined by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. Welcome back to Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes joined now by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. Nick, how are you? 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, That to me is just one of the statistics of how this team has switched to another gear. It's almost as if they were punch drunk from four straight years, you know, virtually of really five straight years of being in the AFC Championship game and then having this really serious issue with drop passes and and lack of communication and sort of the intuitive connection in the passing game. But look what's happened. I mean, the great teachers, the great coaches of the great teachers are relentless in pursuing improvement and growth. And we're lucky. It's a combination of the great coaching from Spags and, and Matt Nagy coming around and his form of his vision for play calling along with obviously with Andy Reid. Uh, but it's like they understand uh, that they haven't shown much and they know how to turn to this other gear. My only question, and it's what I said last week, is – if you surrender to the idea, as everybody's saying now, because of this miraculous three playoff wins, two of them on the road to the <laughs> two of the very best teams in the NFL, if you surrender to the idea that you deserve to win the Super Bowl, you deserve to win, then you're going to lose, period. And as long as they retain this humility, which is what they have, 
this culture of humility and hard work and appreciation for the, what they've got together. You saw it, by the way, with the University of Michigan, right? These guys would die for each other. The great teams will die for each other emotionally. And um, this team, the Kansas City Chiefs, has found that new level that very few teams do. Um, and I'm excited. We can get an extra week for people like Willie Gay to heal up and probably not Joe Thune, but not much drop-off, as we saw with Nick Allegretti. And then Charles Amenehu, what's the story on that? Because it sounds like he may he may play. Uh, well, he was very optimistic, and then he got an MRI done, and now it did report a torn ACL. So Charles Amenehu will be out. Um, he was trying everything possible to give it a go, and then the MRI came, and the dreaded result was torn ACL. So it's going to be what the Chiefs have had to do all season long. Nick, you know as good as anyone, next man up. The Chiefs will have to have this next man up mentality against, again, a very deep, very solid 49ers team. And and Chris Jones, a uh, huge block and, and pressure there. Um, especially we remember the pressure on Josh Allen with that last pass in the end zone. He bumped uh, Allen's protective uh, offensive lineman back into him, and he couldn't follow through, and the ball ends up five yards short, and we end up winning the game. And Chris Jones um, may not have had high marks in all the statistics, but he's just a presence, and when you combine him uh, with Carl Loftus, who just – doesn't he look bigger? I mean, he just – He's kind of morphing. It's like one side. He's gone from double X to triple X during this season and, and in his performance as well. Oh, by the way, huge tackle during the game by Justin Reed. Um, just, uh, just right when we needed it to shut down their running game. Uh, but just so many things to be grateful for. So many heroes on this team. And guess what? They're going to have to step up again because you've got a vengeful San Francisco 49ers team with a head coach that was embarrassed and ashamed because they were up by 10 points, and then we came back and blew them out in the fourth quarter four years ago. So it's time again. Um, I will tell you this, that it's hard for me, as great as Brock Purdy is, as undervalued as he is, as good and flawless as he can be, uh, showing, by the way, he's a He's fast. He does have some speed. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Lamar Jackson. But it's like they go to the other end where he's not an athlete. That's just not true. But when you've never played in the Super Bowl before, as opposed to Patrick Mahomes in his fourth, and those expectations throughout the season following being Super Bowl champion, everybody with a target on your back, your chest, your forehead, and every other part of your body, you know, it, it is different. That level of experience allows you to relax and just play your game, and the head coach can talk all he wants about that. It's still different. So you got to give the edge to the Chiefs, but at the same time, look at the – I mean, look at the uh, – Brandon Ayuk, Debo, George Kittle, McCaffrey. I mean, that is a talented set of people combined with Nick Bosa and company – you know, that's that's a really good defense. It won't be easy, but I still think, I said, and I was right, we were able to win by seven points on Sunday, which I predicted. Yeah. This time, I'm going to go even further. I think we're going to win by ten points. I think that you've seen when Brock is behind, um, with the exception this past week, um, he can force the ball. And we've got a great defensive coordinator and plan and faith in him. So I'm excited.
So yeah. you got to stay humble. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I do think there is something to when the 49ers fall behind. I don't know how much they want to all of a sudden put the ball into Brock Purdy's hand. Now, don't get me wrong. He did get a little bit of luck involved when he threw a ball off of the helmet of a Lions defender right into the waiting arms of Ayuk. That's a one-in-a-thousand type of play happening. But, of course, it happened in that game. And, of course, it happened to a cursed franchise like the Lions. But I don't think the 49ers are going to beat themselves like the way the Ravens did the Ravens only giving the ball handing the ball off six times to a running back that made no sense to me the Ravens were clearly overmatched they were not ready for the moment when it came to extracurricular activities with Zay Flowers uh, uh, Jadavion Clowney uh, obviously Jones the defensive lineman you don't see the 49ers do that the Chiefs have to also be on their A game we know the Chiefs are disciplined but on the other side we know the Niners are as well when they fell behind by three scores to the Lions in the second half what did they do they didn't panic they kept their calm if you're the Kansas City Chiefs in your mind here I know against the Ravens they sort of took their foot off of the gas in the second half offensively do you think the Chiefs will try and be more aggressive in the second half against a team like the Niners that you know they will not fold well my my take is this in the last seven eight games especially when you know we held them to seven and zero in, in the second half we have allowed less than four points in the second half which absolutely has to be connected to the defensive calls and the adjustments that Steve Spagnuolo makes, right? So if we, as we did against Baltimore, find a way to shut them down early, um, you know, we can hold them really low again. Um, but the key thing with a young quarterback, with anybody really, but with a young quarterback is to show them things they haven't seen before where they can't, they can't recognize what to do. And one key thing, by the way, even with Lamar Jackson, who has been the MVP of the NFL, if you're going to compare Lamar, as you should, with the elite quarterbacks, then you know the elite quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and company, know how to check out of a bad call when they get to the line of scrimmage and they know that their play call is not going to work three to four to five times a game at least you check out of those things. And Lamar Jackson didn't know how to do that or didn't do that. So that's a scratch against him that he's going to have to address. He's got a great football memory. I saw that when I met him, and he can remember every play kind of like, kind of like Patrick Mahomes can. But um, I'm, we're going to see about Brock Purdy. This is a really interesting challenge for him. We're proud of him. He, you know, my buddy Dan Minucci from, from Kansas State coached him here in Phoenix in Gilbert, but um, I'm going to take the edge with the guy who continue, continually raises his game, and I, a big part of that will remain, frankly, that Travis Kelsey pulled out 11 of 11, and if you're Bill Belichick, and absolutely if you are the San Francisco 49ers in this case, you are going to shut him down. If you do nothing else, you're going to shut him down. But can you? I mean, he looks like he's 27 right now. That, that Him sitting week 18, if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, this might be the biggest story because Kelsey looked banged up. He looked hurt. He looked injured. He looked, at times, maybe even disinterested. And yet, come he playoff time. He looked sluggish in the 20, 23 below game. He looked, he looked, you know, I would have been too. <laughs> you know, he made a couple catches, but he also dropped a couple uh, but it, it, it's like he's a new man again. And uh, I'm not going to talk about the elephant in the room or the tailor in the room, but uh, let's just say that uh, it, it, it's a big deal 
And it's taken time for him to work through that, and he is just so focused. I love the fact that his brother's not playing, so his brother can be there in the suite and keep uh, Travis' mind focused on the game. Not that he wouldn't, but it's just those tiny micro edges that help the team in terms of his energy. The team follows him and Patrick's energy, period. Chris Jones, third. Nick Bolton, yes. Sneed, yes. But let's face it, when Travis is on, Everything seems to flow, and, and Patrick's touch on the ball has been extraordinary. His accuracy has been extraordinary. We had three catches by Travis. I'm so talkative today, by the way. Three catches by Travis that were just unbelievable catches. And finally, sort of buttoning it up, MVS with that catch twisting behind him, staying with the ball and catching it, and absolutely ending the game for us. So... Lots of heroes. I started saying that to begin with. That's what makes this so gratifying. It's as if this Super Bowl, if we win this, then uh, we, the Kansas City Chiefs, this could be the most satisfying, with the possible exception of the one four years ago, but still. You can imagine, because they've overcome more than ever. Yeah, I, I think that's a very good point, just what they've had to overcome, the adversity to get to this point. Again, in the teams they've beaten in the playoffs, to me, this is maybe the most impressive postseason stretch for Kansas City. Again, Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry is our guest. As far as the special teams game goes in this one, obviously Jake Moody missed a, what, 43-yarder last week against the Detroit Lions. Harrison Butker has been nails all season long, but they move inside the they move into side a dome in Las Vegas. How do you think this affects a kicker? Obviously, I think the majority of kickers might like playing in a dome, but we don't know as good as you, Nick. Who's this help with here? Well, the semi, you know, the semi, the dome in uh, in Arizona had, and in the Super Bowl last year had terrible grass. So if there's terrible grass that people are slipping, it's the same grass or whatever you want to call it that Harrison hurt his ankle on, as you remember, opening game last year. So that's another factor. But the grass, I think, is pretty good there, and um, it just means one less thing to worry about. But speaking of kickers, we've got to talk about Justin Tucker. I, he's the greatest kicker of all time. He's an opera singer. He's amazing in a thousand ways, really cool guy. But in my 300-plus games, counting preseason in the playoffs in the National Football League, not one time did I ever warm up on the opposing team side of the field, let alone in the end zone. I, I mean, seriously. And I think he thought he's done it for before. Patrick said that actually only three times have they had somebody you know, on their side of the field. And all three times it was Baltimore, and all three times it was Justin Tucker. I just don't get it. I don't know what he was thinking, but... Speaking of those tiny micro edges, uh, he did us a favor, you know, just to do that. It was just unbelievably galling to see him there. And people that there's a certain etiquette, but I'll just tell you, it just never happens. You do not warm up. It's one thing to stand and talk to some of the guys, but not in the middle of the field, on the side. But when you are down in the middle of the field, in the end zone, where the quarterback's warming up, might trip, by the way, just weird, just strange, and, and could be, you know, Interpreted as a little arrogant, too. But whatever it is, we've got ourselves a humble, incredibly focused, fantastic kicker. He's been the best kicker in the NFL this year. The Dallas guy, I think, missed one extra point. But Harrison has hit 52-yarder, huge one right before the half and put us up by 10. He's just clutch and consistent and, and humble, too. 
Harrison would never have done what Justin Tucker did. <laughs> and, you know, the, the players can count on him. I remember my next-door neighbor, Justice Wizard White, Brian, Byron Wizard White, led the NFL in rushing for Pittsburgh and Detroit in three years in the league. And he said, you know, Nick, in the end, you shut up and you just show them by what you do. They don't care what you say. They care about how you play and how you contribute. And that's what Harrison does every week. We need to come up with a special award for him. You know, he's just been money, and the way he handles his fame is extraordinary, and I have the utmost respect for him. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry is our guest. All right, final time of the year, Nick. El Bendito Yankee Tequila, player of the game. Who are you tabbing And final score prediction? Uh, I'm going to go with Harrison Butker. I'm going to go with four field goals by Harrison Butker, and two of them close to 50 and not over 50. Um, I just feel like this game, uh, as you remember, about a month ago, he had six right before New Year's. He had six field goals, right? <laughs> then he had four in the playoffs in the 23 below zero game. Yeah. I, I just have a feeling that we're probably due for that because of the Nick Bosa and company on the defensive line. I mean, these guys, they are serious. And uh, Armistead, Kinlaw, Hargrave, I mean, they've got a serious pass rush. Charles Young, they've been saying he's been taking some plays off. But, you know, it's going to be uh, a much more uh, – for whatever reason, I think it's going to be uh, a tight defensive game in certain ways, which usually requires more field goals. Mm, love that. So score prediction. You said Chiefs win. You said they win fairly handedly. What's final score? 26-16. to 16. Four field goals by Harrison. Uh, two touchdowns. And then 16, we just, you know, people are surprised when you say that. And you've got Debo Samuel, you've got McCaffrey. They are amazing. There's, You know, they may have 17. It'll be right around there. But I just think there's a difference. We turn the ball over three times from Baltimore. They were supposed to be the experts at turning the ball over. We were supposed to be the ones that, you know, had the disadvantage. And we're the ones that got the ball from them three times. Every time you take the ball away, you take away yardage from them. And suddenly a lot of your yardage is meaningless because you you ended your your drive. So even if they get 400 yards total, which is probably about what they'll get, I, I don't see them scoring more than three times against us. Uh, if you want to take Nick's advice, and that means the Chiefs win, and you're celebrating, celebrate with the best tequila out there. That is El Bendito Yankee Tequila. It is so good, so smooth. It has a, a, a good bite. It doesn't have that nasty it's like artificial. Sterling. It's good and smooth. It's like you, Nick. It's like you. <laughs> Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker. Yeah, I'll tell you what. It is truly great stuff, guys. Um, it, you can get it at Gomer's, at Hy-Vee, and it is just first class. We're coming out, by the way, with our Anejo on March 1st. Jim Bob Morris, who also was in training camp with me many moons ago with the Chiefs, finished with the Packers. Uh, he's made sure that this is the finest tequila. It's $100 tequila you can get. For forty forty five bucks at High V, and um, we're, we'll have reason to use it. We're going to be celebrating one of the most incredible dynasties. It's already a dynasty in the making, but it's it's going to cement it. And as long as we stay humble and hungry and earn it, it's going to be the sweetest tequila you've ever had. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. We will take a break. Come back. Sports Radio eight ten WHB. Welcome back to the home stretch. 
Sports Radio 810 WHB. I thought that was fascinating by Nick Lowry. Just him going, yeah, you don't do that as a kicker. You don't do that. And I think uh, <laughs> Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker might know a little something about that, right? He might know a little in the know in regards to kicking routines, uh, I don't know if you heard Mahomes talk about it. I, or was Kelsey talking about Mahomes saying um, it's only happened three times? Each time was Justin Tucker in Baltimore. You know what he's trying to do. I love Tucker saying, yeah, they may have taken it more seriously than I did. I think they took the whole game more seriously than you, bro. <laughs> I mean, come on. Lamar Jackson waited the entire week saying nothing but superlatives about Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes just for the kicker to go up there and say, you know what? You know what sounds like a good idea? Spoke the bear. <laughs> no, it doesn't seem very smart, does it? Some say. Some say not not the the smartest. All right, Kyle. I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I haven't heard from you much. We heard from, from Matt Derrick. We heard from uh, from Nick Lowry. Where do you think the Chiefs have the biggest advantage against the 49ers? Because I, I, I'm I'm leaning towards the Chiefs actually have a pretty good matchup advantage against San Fran, unlike their matchup against the Ravens. Uh, I'm going to go with Steve Spagnuolo against that quarterback. And yes, Omenihu, uh, huge loss, huge loss. So the, the, the defensive line is no doubt taking a big hit, but uh, like we've talked about and Matt Derrick has talked about, I think the Chiefs have the best secondary in the NFL. That, that they've got great linebackers, and they can cause a problem for uh, an inexperienced uh, quarterback playing in his first Super Bowl. I laugh because Sam Darnold was the quarterback that was quoted as seeing ghosts, right? Remember that one? <laughs> well, this way, when Brock Purdy sees ghosts, that's why they brought Sam Darnold in, to give him advice, basically saying, hey, don't throw. He might act like Casper, the ghost you're seeing on the field. They're going to try and hurt you. They're like boo, okay? It's like boo. It ain't Casper. He ain't friendly. They're going to steal that ball from you. That has to be the only yeah, reason. We're going to have Darnold say, uh, I'm seeing ghosts on the mic up. So Brock Purdy doesn't have to say it. <laughs> I can't wait for this game, man. I know we got two weeks. We got a week and a half. Week and a half. I I can't wait. In a season that we all thought was done on Christmas, the real present is in the present. This was the home stretch here. Sports Radio 810 at WHB. Until next time, we are out.